that these are foundational things that affect the entire way that you look at prophecy. And tonight we, we just want to deal in a, in a kind of a flyover manner of God's covenant with Israel, his primary covenant with Israel. We hear a lot of talk about Israel um, in our circles, so to speak. If you get in other circles, there you hear a lot of talk against Israel. Even in, in many Christian circles now, um, they are, uh, many of them are turning to be, um, more friends of Palestinians than Israelis because of their um, misunderstanding of what the Bible says about Israel. And um, we are seeing in our, in our day-to-day a rapid and um, quick rising of anti-Israel, anti-Semitism. And we need to be equipped to know, okay, why do I believe that Israel is important, and what is it that I believe about it? So in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said unto Abram in verse 1, Get out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. Um, It's God's promise to Abraham. It's a personal promise that he said to Abraham, I will make your name great. It is a universal promise in the sense that he said all the families of the earth will be blessed as a result of you. And it is a national promise in that he said, I will make of you a great nation. Your descendants will become a great nation. So um, we could go into much more detail on this, but um, the aspect, this is the covenant, this is the the promise that God made to Abraham. Now, this next aspect is where we get into the differences. Some believe that because Israel was unfaithful, that God broke off the covenant and he cast them away, and many of them believe that God then has raised up the church to take Israel's place. This covenant that God made with Abraham is unconditional. It's not, it's not dependent upon Abraham's obedience or whatever. And we want to just um, show you. Number one, it is a blood covenant. And, and if you want to read about it, read Genesis chapter 15. In a blood covenant, animals, you, you've read through Genesis 15, And you've thought, wow, God told Abraham to cut animals in half, divide the carcass, place one on one side, another on another side, with enough room for two people to walk down the middle. 
And um, that's kind of weird stuff. That's kind of Old Testament weird stuff. What's going on there? Well, this was a manner in which they would make a blood covenant, and the two parties would then walk between these animals, pledging their own blood to keep whatever they covenanted together. Until the pledge was fulfilled, they would be willing to give their own life in this. Abraham, in keeping with the covenant customs, sacrificed the animals, divided the carcasses of the three large animals that you read about in Genesis 15, laid them on the ground, but then something very significant happened. Abraham fell into a deep sleep, okay? Some of us can relate to that. You just fall asleep, okay? Well, Abraham never walked between the animals. Only God walked between the animals. And God alone was the participant in this covenant, And Abraham was the recipient of this covenant. And God's covenant with Abraham shows that it is an unconditional, one-way covenant. Abraham never walked between the animals. He never made promises. Only God did. That's one aspect of why it's unconditional. A second is the original promises that were given to Abraham were given without any conditions. We just read in Genesis chapter 12, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. He didn't say, if you do this, or if you do this. Scripture repeatedly states that the covenant is eternal. Um, We're not going to take the time tonight, but we... We can list some references for you, and if any of you want um, the notes of these tonight, we'll be happy to get these to you. This is is very, I know it can seem like, wow, what does this have to do with anything? This really, if it is an, an unconditional covenant, Israel matters. If it is a conditional covenant, Israel doesn't matter. But it, Israel does matter. And throughout Scripture, we read that God says, this is an everlasting covenant. How long is everlasting? It's forever. And if you start changing that, then you have to start redefining all these terms. Everlasting is not until you sin or it's not until you violate this. Everlasting is... The covenant that God made with Abraham, it also is the same term that he uses regarding everlasting life. The New Testament confirms or affirms the unchangeable nature of the covenant. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. So we listed a number of verses in the Old Testament that... Um, say and give reference that it is an everlasting covenant. It is eternal. And we go to the New Testament, and we read like in Romans 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. 
For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Watch ye not what the scripture saith of Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. And God went on and said, Wait a minute, you're not the only one. I haven't cast away my people. There are 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So he said, has God cast away his people? And he said, absolutely not. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, notice I'll begin reading. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater... And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. God wanted to impress Abraham and his descendants that he was determined to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. And now these Jews that are living in 60 A.D., 30 years after Christ, He writes to them as a source of encouragement to them, saying, In spite of what Israel has done, God has not rejected them, and uh, they are going to see the fulfillment of the promise that God has given, Israel will. Um, Scripture states that the covenant is still in effect, even though the Jewish people have been unfaithful. Um. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31, spells it out very, very clearly. That God says, I know they have been unfaithful. And today, Israel is in unfaithfulness. Israel is in unbelief, apart from the Messianic Jews who have come to trust Christ as personal Savior. Israel is still in unbelief, but God has not cast them off. God is um, given this covenant. The covenant has not been fully fulfilled in history, and it must have a literal fulfillment. And this will come when Christ returns on the earth in his second coming. Turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We find uh, another passage. And and again, I, I mentioned that we're we're doing this kind of as a a flyover tonight, but to help you understand, this is not a minor thing, this this aspect of Israel. This is a stumbling block to the entire world. This is the centerpiece of all prophecy. 
This is the centerpiece of the world today. Um, the nations around Israel overwhelmingly hate and despise and literally want to wipe Israel off the map. The fact that they are in existence is a testimony of God's grace and his power. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, we find the, the word of God that is given to the children of Israel and promises that are made in the land covenant regarding specifically the land. In verses 1 through 3, and again, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to read all that because there's seven basic conditions or promises that are made in these first ten verses. And I want to list those for you tonight. Number one, Israel would be plucked off the land for its unfaithfulness. We've seen that happen throughout history. They were scattered among all the nations and all the peoples. They, um, their sin, their rebellion, God scattered them. Miraculously, they kept their identity. But in verses 1 through 3, Israel was promised because of their unfaithfulness that they would be removed from the land. It also says that there will be a future repentance of Israel, where Israel will come to repentance and, and will return to God. Their Messiah, in verses 3 through 6, the Messiah will return. Israel will be restored to the land. They will be given the land that Abraham was promised. Israel will be converted as a nation. And probably next Sunday night we'll have the chart up here that we've had up before. And we'll show you there is coming a day when Israel will be followers of Jesus Christ. They will acknowledge their Messiah. They will be brought back. One of the, one of the number of purposes of the seven years of tribulation is God is using it not only to bring judgment on the nations that have rejected him, but he's using it to bring Israel back to him. He prophesied this. He said it would happen. They will be converted as a, as a nation. He says in verse 7 of this chapter that God will bring judgment upon the enemies of Israel. And that Israel, in verse 9 it says, will receive her full blessing. The blessings that God promised to Israel have not been fulfilled. God has blessed them in miraculous ways. He has blessed the people. He has blessed them with, um, with great um, intellect. But as we said, they are still in unbelief. Uh, it is incredible how God has used the Jewish people. Number one, the greatest ministry that God has used the Jewish people is that they have given us the Word of God. And of course, through the line of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. But God today is using them 
and has blessed all the nations of the earth. You, you would be amazed at the technology that all is traced back to Israel. We think we're the ones that are doing this. Overwhelming amount of technology and, and when it comes to agricultural development has gone right back to Israel. Israel is making that desert blossom. And you cross into the Arab lands, they call it the green line. It's green in Israel, it's a brown desert when you cross over into that. But they still have not received the full blessing of God. And God is going to fulfill that blessing when he comes again during the millennial reign of Christ. So these promises, these seven promises... They all have not been fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled in the future. It's part of the understanding the, the prophecy. So we ask, why does all this matter? I live in America. I probably will never go to Israel. Why does it matter to us? Number one, it plays a vital role in our understanding of prophecy. If you do not understand how Israel fits in God's prophetic timetable and overview, you will be totally confused and you'll say, as many people do, I don't understand any of that and I'm, I'm just not going to pay any attention to it. Over 25% of the Bible is prophecy. So to say, I don't understand it and I'm not going to pay any attention, it's like taking 25% of your Bible and ripping it out and saying, ah, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. It is very, very important. And if we don't understand Israel in this, we will have a false understanding of prophecy we won't be able to see how God puts the pieces together. This really, Israel is the key that um, makes all the pieces fit together. Secondly, why does it matter? Because the integrity of God is at stake. If God made promises to Abraham and did not fulfill them, what makes you think that he will fulfill the promises to you. We have been just as unfaithful. I'm not talking as a nation. I'm talking as individuals. Every one of us have been just as unfaithful, but God gives his covenant to us. And the integrity of God, God promised Abraham these promises. He would make of him a great nation. He would uh, give them this land. They would be restored. They would be converted as a nation. They would acknowledge him as Messiah. That has not happened. People say, well, 70 A.D., God destroyed Jerusalem, and that fulfilled prophecy. No, Jerusalem hasn't received the, the blessings of God. They haven't seen the fulfillment of this. And if God just says, okay, this was my plan, but I trashed that plan, and we're on to something else, then God would be just like any human being, politician, I don't care what you call it. No, God made promises. He's going to keep his promises, every detail, every, every aspect. In his first coming, uh, 
He fulfilled every prophecy about his first coming down to the very aspect of, of his garment being sold and every detail of being pierced in the side. He is going to fulfill every promise. If he doesn't, he's not God. And then why does it matter? I didn't know how else to put it. I just put foreign policy matters. What you think about Israel and what I think about Israel matters. God says he will bless those that bless Israel and he will curse those that curse Israel. And it matters. And we are living in a, in a time, uh, it matters to us personally. We ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's really praying for the coming of God. We ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But it matters individually to us, but it matters as a nation. I mean, it is very, very important what our nation does. And we have steadily been moving away from Israel. We have steadily been taking steps to move away from Israel. And um, and you keep an eye on what we do in the next few months in regard to Israel. Our president has no love lost for Israel. And as it is, it is, it is God in the heavens that knows everything in earth, and he still has this thought, I will bless those that bless my people, and I will curse those that curse my people. And it doesn't matter who's elected. It doesn't matter what policies. If we turn our backs on Israel, we are turning our back on God. And sad to say, there are a lot of of doctrines coming into Christian churches today that literally, I've... We had um, a speaker from Friends of Israel here, and he said, I have trouble getting into churches. I have pastors tell me, if you were friends of the Palestinians, I would invite you in, but because you're with Friends of Israel, I won't have you here. These are churches that preach the gospel. These aren't some Unitarian wackos, okay? These are people that say they believe the Bible. It is clear God will bless those that bless Israel and God will curse those that curse Israel. As I said, Israel is still in unbelief. They have many godless practices, but that does not mean that God has turned his back on them. God is going to raise them up miraculously I mean, we see the things coming into place, and God is going to do for Israel miraculous things that will make the rest of the world stand in awe. I mean, God has already done those for Israel. And even in unbelief, when we were in Israel, our guide um, fought in the Six-Day War. And he said, "There there is no way that we should have won that war it was, we know it is God, but he still will not recognize Jesus Christ as Messiah. God has intervened in their land. I mean, we don't hear about it, but they're getting, they're getting missiles shot into Israel daily. And um, it, it's, 
it's amazing that they're still there, the little postage stamp size of a land, that this piece of ground, the whole world, is doing battle about. Well, it's because of Genesis 12. If you get nothing else out of it, remember Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and that right there God promised to build a nation out of Abraham, and he said, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. It really does matter. And it's understanding that, and the day is going to come that God is going to fulfill all his promises. Rejoice. God chose Israel. And in his mercy, now in the church age, he has grafted in all who come by faith in Jesus Christ. And we are now members of God's family. But the day is going to come, as we saw last week, that he's going to take away all of us as believers. And then he's going to put Israel basically is on the sidetrack. Old railroad language. They're on the side track. They're going to be brought back onto the main track and the main aspect. And you can see them. They flip. They flip the switch. The switch is, I believe, God's flipped the switch, and the track is starting to move on the main track. And we can take great, great comfort in it. And we ought to be truly praying that God would give great, great wisdom. You know, it's interesting, just kind of as a a side note, um, Israel's prime minister has daily Bible studies. God has brought some key people into his life, and he wants to know what does the Bible say about Israel. I mean, God is in control of the hearts of kings, and he is at work, and it ought to encourage us and make us say, praise the Lord. Even so, come Lord Jesus, but until then, may we be found faithful. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged when we see glimpses of your plan and lord certainly we are we don't have the mind of you in the sense of knowing all the details but you've given us everything we need to know for life and godliness and lord i pray that we would be encouraged i pray that we would uh, be faithful in our prayer for israel I pray that we would be faithful in our seeking the lost. Lord, I pray that you would help me to to truly have your heart for the lost. And I pray that you would use us as instruments to know the times, to redeem the time, because the days are evil. Lord, What a joy it is to know that all the pieces are going to fit perfectly in your time. Lord, we read, in the fullness of time you sent forth your Son, born of a virgin. Lord, we also rest in the fact, in the fullness of time, you will come again. May we be faithful in service and zealous in our love for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Faithfully 